Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. Oh my god. Why did I pick today not to do any caffeine? <laughs> you haven't done caffeine in a long time. Oh no, I, I have my like cup of green tea. I I try not to do it like two or three days in a row so that I never get like addicted to caffeine, but I don't do coffee. There's no coffee. Oh, in I my thought life you gave anymore. up caffeine altogether. I did. Because of the headaches and all that. I did at one time, but I, I discovered that I could have a cup of green tea a day and get away with it. And so I'll like if if I, I avoid it. I try not to like be dependent on caffeine because it's really nice when I'm out camping and stuff to not have to wake up and think, oh God, I need coffee, you know. Um, but I still like will have a cup. Of, and I find that I get very productive when I have a cup of uh, green tea. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a lot of caffeine, but since I don't normally have any, but today... Yesterday. I don't have a caffeine problem. I really don't know what you're talking about. I'm like this yeah. all the time, really. Yeah. Well, yesterday I had caffeine and today I didn't. And so here I am like doing this podcast, you know, late at night thinking maybe today should have been the day that I had the caffeine. <laughs> so you'd be interested in what's happening. So I'd be awake. Yeah. I mean, you're going to probably notice every once in a while that I just dozed off. Well, make sure you snore so I can tell. You know, when you're there and when you're not there. I don't have a snore button. Oh, I thought. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, you were silent. I was like, just, oh, it yeah, happened already. Yeah, yeah, well, that was, I was going there, but then I'm like, I need a snore button. You know, so I could just be like. One, one of these days, I will not be working 80 hours a week, and I'll make you sounds to put on the buttons. One of the sounds I need, by the way, I decided that I needed it, is a wee button. <laughs> I'm not sure I can do that. I might need you to make that button. Because I was thinking this, I don't know when I was thinking it, but sometime today, probably in one of my lucid dreams, you know, my walking dreams, um, I was thinking about talking about my dog. When we get up in the morning, she the first thing she wants to do is eat. She she won't even go wee until she's eaten. And Does then, she normally do that? What the wee? No, she goes out. And yeah, pees. that she goes out and pees. So that's the wee. Yeah. Oh, like we yeah. like going we. I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, no, she gets I up. Apparently, didn't have any caffeine today. But I've never understood that because the first thing I want to do when I get up is go wee. Pee. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, no, nothing else matters until I pee. I might be starving. I might be thinking I need caffeine. Nothing else fucking matters until I pee. Even if I got I up agree. at six o'clock and peed, and it's only been an hour, I still want to pee. Like, I don't know what that is. Even during the middle of the day, like if I have to pee, I can't think like I'm trying to focus on a problem and I just can't like I got to stop and go to the bathroom. Which reminds me, I had a server issue this morning and while I was working on it, I had to go to the bathroom really bad and I was trying to finish up. I was trying to like figure it out and then I just said, fuck it and I jumped up and went to the bathroom. You know, I never went back and fixed that problem. <laughs> you forgot all about it. Yeah, yeah. It's apparently, well, you know, I've been living like weeks of Saturdays now. 
this because um, of covid yeah you're... yeah yeah since i got laid off my two biggest gigs i basically i get up in the morning i check my server logs and see what's going on make sure everything is working i do that every day of the week it doesn't matter monday through through sunday and then i pretty much have nothing to do now i do have a client that wants me to do a few things for him but like they haven't specced it out for me yet so i have nothing to do i just go out in the yard and I water my garden and I, uh, you know, look for interesting things like crickets that I can eat, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and well, I'm certainly happy to be employed and have a paycheck, but I could use a little bit of that, <laughs> you know, like yeah, a couple yeah. days. I actually went shopping at two grocery stores that I don't normally go to this morning. Um, today was my official, I, I shop once a week, you know, and probably it's a little excessive, but I'm trying to sort of keep things stocked, like whatever I eat, I try to put back so that if we do get a shortage, because we're looking right, at- Right, do it now while the stores are open before they close entirely. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to go like, you know, oh, I don't need to shop for three weeks, and then at the end of three weeks, I'm desperate to shop, and they're like, we're sorry, but we're out of everything, you know, uh, or all of our employees are sick, and so, you know, we're not going to be open. Um, but anyway, so I went to uh, to Aldi's and- Publix, two of two stores I've never been to before in any flavor, any location I haven't been there, and uh, it was interesting. I saved some money at Aldi's, and I, I, there's only two things I really had to get um, that I couldn't find. I haven't been able to find for weeks is uh, flour and um, and rice. So, and I got those two, so I'm all stocked up now. Did they have any oil? Yeah. Yeah, they had everything, um, but the oil was not negatively priced. They weren't they weren't paying me to take it, because you know I could have saved my entire grocery bill just by taking out a barrel of oil. So how does that work? That's that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. Like I heard oh. from you and from somebody else that oil is priced at negative something a barrel. For anyone, right. how, how does that even possible? For one thing. It, well, okay. For anyone who's listening, I want them to know that we, we are going to do a science podcast tonight, but we'll start with the cost of oil. This is specifically Texas crude. Um, and Texas is in big trouble right now. So uh, yeah, the problem is the demand is so low that they simply don't have a place to store the oil that they're pumping. So they're actually having to pay people to take it off their hands. That's, the barrels. Yes, you can actually. Now I don't know who is uh, eligible to say I want a hundred barrels and at, 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 at you're going to pay me three thousand dollars to take a hundred barrels of oil. Well, fuck that! I'm going to take a million goddamn barrels. Well, I don't know where you'd store those, but okay. I don't care where I store them. I'll dump them in the damn river. No, I won't really. I, I mean, the kidding, ideal but. thing would be that you could <laughs> that you had a place to store them. Now, now keep in mind. And I don't want to get all practical. This is but you you know, you have to have a way of offloading them from whatever port or whatever you can get them from. But no, if, I'm just gonna, not going to pick them up. <laughs> I'm just I'm going to order them. Take the thirty million. I, yeah. Well, what is it? It's is it negative thirty dollars a barrel? Yeah, they're paying people thirty dollars a barrel. Thirty dollars a barrel. Take so I'm gonna, oil. Right. So I'm going to order a million barrels. They're going to send me $30 million, and then I don't care what happens to the fucking oil. Uh, right? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, the ideal thing, this is you can, you can double dip on this. The ideal thing is you actually have a place 
to store it that doesn't cost you you know any serious money and then when the price of oil returns to say $50 a barrel you sell it back sure I mean that's the ideal that's the way to go there's no waste no I mean you actually and that's what they're hoping for I'm sure is is that somebody just has a space to store this oil and uh, and of course whoever that is will make a killing but this this goes back I get to, it but yeah. then you're going to have to pay shipping fees and you're going to have to pay dock workers and somebody to load the shit and storage place and well, all that that may be true i'm sure people that actually do this for a living who actually you know buy and sell oil futures know exactly what they have to do people like me i have no idea how to even get in on this gig i mean it sounds like a hell of a gig I would, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, even if I just bought 10 barrels and just got, you know, 300 bucks, put the 10 barrels in my backyard, and then when they get, you know, valuable, sell them back for $500. I mean, that's an easy 800 bucks. I'd take that, but I have no idea how you go about doing that. <laughs> You're thinking small, man. <laughs> like, I'm going to take a million. Well, no, man. I'm thinking I'm going to have to put these barrels in my yard, right? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, that, yeah, you're right. It'd be nice if you could just do a million. But anyway, so <clears throat> we have two topics in the science department tonight. Okay. And uh, the easiest one to talk about, because, I, man, I, I wonder if I should wait on the second one, because I want to do a mathematical model, but maybe I can work this out with a calculator while we talk. Um, okay, so the first one's easy. Uh, they discovered a fossilized uh, piece of string. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is important like stuff. A, like a thread. Yeah, yeah, fibers like woven together. Well, I don't know if you've ever made your own like rope or something, but if you twist twist strands of fiber one way, you know, like do like three strands of twisted strands and then let them they'll twist back together the other way. So you get like a what you think of as a is a sort of standard looking rope, the twisted rope. Anyway, they found that um made of, you know, plant fibers or whatever. And uh, it was, uh, I believe, 40,000 years old. And they found it in a place with Neanderthal uh, artifacts. So Neanderthals wore clothes, is what we're saying? They made string. And you're thinking, whoa, like what kind of new string theory is this, right? That was exactly where I was going. Actually. Yeah, I was hoping you'd jump <laughs> you in. You beat me to the uh, joke. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so, um, no, no, it was it's obviously, you know, but, but here's the deal, though. Like, they didn't, apparently, this is news to scientists, because they didn't think Neanderthals were that sophisticated. And now, okay. I'm getting the impression that Homo sapiens stole all their best inventions from Neanderthals. Next okay. thing you know, we're going to find out Neanderthals invented the wheel. I mean, you know, there's some overlap, you know, in our existence. We there were Neanderthals up until, you know, right. There yeah. was because I got, I don't know if it was discussions with you about the book or I actually got that far. Oh, in sapiens, the book. yeah, yeah. And then back in the book club days, but um, when I, <laughs> I had like time to read and stuff, um, or listen to audiobook anyway. It's easier to read with caffeine too, by the way. It keeps yeah, you from just falling asleep I'm, in your chair. But yeah, so they said that uh, there was debate really on whether the Homo sapiens just like wiped out the Neanderthals or whether they just interbred with them and, and dominated them in the gene pool. 
basically. Right. And right. correct me if I'm saying that wrong. No, there's all kinds of theories. Um, I mean, there's there's theories that we outcompeted them that we did, you know, and that's kind of the general gist that we just outcompeted them. We just, but but it's interesting to think that the world wasn't big enough for both of us, right? right. Like so we so we beat them up and took their string. Yeah, we took their string. We took their wheel. We took their their smartphones. We took everything. And then we claimed it as our own and pretended as if we invented it and we were the smart ones. Now, I'm going to say this and I'm going to, because I'm going to start or have to stop calling stupid people Neanderthals. It's a bad habit that I have. I'm like, he's a fucking Neanderthal. Because it turns out Neanderthals were pretty smart and there's a lot of people that are not that smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, oh, I, this isn't in my list of topics, but I, I don't. We t- we touched on this uh, at some point. We talked about the asteroid a long time ago that came through our the, the visitor from from another solar system. That the cigar shaped. The cigar shaped thing. Yeah, they came up with yeah. a theory about why it was. It suddenly came up with the news again because they apparently since it went through uh, passed through. Uh, a group of uh, uh, very smart people, aka I, you know Neanderthals, um, were <laughs> have been working on this. You know how the hell did it end up being cigar shaped? And right. they've worked out a theory of like using tidal forces. Tidal forces being that which makes like the tides on Earth. When you have a nearby gravitational body, it pulls on one side of you harder than it does the other side because the one side of you is closer than the other side. That's what they call a tidal force. It's not just that it's pulling on you. It's that it's pulling on you with a differential as in, you know, like one end of you is being... That's what rips you apart when you're going into a black hole. It literally will rip you into pieces because the part of you that's going in first is getting pulled on faster or harder rather than the part that's going in last and it'll literally pull you apart. Um, but does, anyway, does that kill you when that happens? Um, no, I think you're fine. You're just you're just not really yourself. Like you're just in little tiny pieces all over the place, and you're feeling like, like you know, maybe I should have taken my vitamins this morning. <laughs> Where's the coffee? And yeah, um, no. But on a more serious note, though, so they believe that that's the same type of thing that created this asteroid. Basically, it was a larger body that got shredded by tidal forces, and because it was being stretched the bits that were left were cigar shape. And they're like, this could be really common. We could have a lot of these things because this could be like a common occurrence. It could be sort of what cast it out of whatever solar system it was in. It got close enough to its sun to basically get whipped around and torn apart and then the bits got ejected. So there's no credence to the theory that the aliens just wanted to make a phallic symbol of their dominance? I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm sure that these guys these guys are working with computer models. They don't have they're just trying to make up a a logical non-pornographic explanation. You're talking about the scientists. I'm talking about the aliens that made the I know, I know, probe. but I'm talking I'm talking about the scientists. They're trying to come up with an explanation that works for science and that your theory is as good as theirs. It just doesn't rely on mathematical models. Gotcha. Well, of course mine's as good as theirs. Duh. No. Makes sense. So last, and see, my last topic is going to take a while, and I, I've got to figure out how to explain it. But 
you'll like it. You will. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. And listeners, you're going to love this too. Unless you don't do math and then you're going to hate it. Hold um, on. We have listeners now? Well. Nobody notified me of this. We have highly mathematically sophisticated listeners. And that's the reason why I can do this story. Oh, the last yeah. Week. Them. That's why there's only three of them. Yeah. So anyway, you mentioned <laughs> after our podcast last week something about pizza delivery and coronavirus-related commercials. Yes, I did. The, well, they okay. I don't watch to, TV, so I'm completely. Do you want ignorant me to tell to it? Okay. So, like, all of a sudden, we have this rash of pizza commercials, pizza plate, Domino's, Papa John's, whoever it is. And, and they're all like talking about, you know, how after your pizza comes out of the oven, they don't touch it. Oh, well, right? it's nice to know that they don't well, touch yeah, my pizza. Because, yeah, because now that coronavirus is here, we've stopped the practice of touching I'm handling, your pizza. Yeah, handling your pizza, <laughs> like, breathing always, on it, sneezing on it. Right. Yeah. Like, what did they do before? Did they just reach in the oven that's 450 degrees and grab it with their hands, you know, and throw it in the box? You know, like, were they touching it before? First of all, that would be unsanitary. But secondly, it's just impractical. Of course, they don't fucking touch it. It's hot. You know, <laughs> you don't touch it. Do you ever go to your local Domino's? No. Because if you did, you'd see them with all their fingers wrapped in bandages and all the burn <laughs> stuff sitting I on the shelves. I don't order from Domino's either. Yeah, but well, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, that's it's really common for them to burn themselves on the pizza because what it is is Domino's uh didn't learn their lesson from the Neanderthals and they haven't figured out how to use a, one of those giant pizza spatulas. Mhm. Well, yeah. that's I mean, that's what they do use in my mind, the big wooden No, not not before the coronavirus. They just reach in the oven and grab the pizza and be like, "Ah, why doesn't somebody figure something out to wake <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what started the coronavirus. They're like, we've got to come up with an answer to. <laughs> they well, keep making us stick our hands in the oven. Can't somebody do something? Well, well you know, there is a, virus there is a shortage of personal uh, protective equipment, and that's what a spatula is. <laughs> so they don't have any. Yeah. No, but they promise you now that they don't once it's cooked. Apparently, okay. before it's cooked. Well, I'm happy to hear that. They're all, you know, like fondling it. But but after it comes out of the oven, they make it a point to not touch it. Oh, that's... Wait, wait, that... Yeah. <laughs> God, I swear I'm going to label these things someday. <laughs> all right, so let's dive into something that's going to either make you fall asleep in your chair or... Well, what was... The, I thought we were talking about the pizza. The, uh, what happened? You had math behind it or something. No, no. Know? The math is the, the, a completely separate subject I haven't even touched on yet. Oh. So, <laughs> I yeah, this is complicated, but it's really cool. It's My interesting. God, I can't follow this podcast. Do we have an outline or something? Don't fucking follow this podcast. Subscribe and like, but don't follow. Um, no, so, so there's something called intuitionist math. And you would like intuitionist mm. math because it's... I like it already. It's kind of intuitive, right? Um, yeah, it means that as long as I feel like that's the right number, it is. Yeah, there is some of that to this. It's a very interesting story. So 
So let's just let's just do a little background here. Einstein's theory um, includes a bit about predeterminism, and and the reason for that, and you know, I never really thought about this before I was reading this article, is you know, he says that there is no like like time is just this fabric. Everything that will happen is already written in the fabric of time. Everything that has happened is like you're just you could move around through time, nothing would change, right? The future is set. Everything is set because from day one, when the motion was, imagine that the, the universe is like the bowling ball that you set into motion at the bowling alley. Once you throw it down, it's on a course. All the variables okay. have been set, right? The, the movement, the direction, the energy, uh, where the pins are, everything's been set. And all you can do now is watch it play out because, um, Science says that everything obeys very specific rules of motion and all this stuff. So, so if you can imagine when the first atoms of the universe exploded into existence, their direction and motion and all this was pre-coded. Everything that's happening today is happening because there was a specific spin on a molecule 13 billion years ago that predicted exactly what's going to happen today. This is sounding dangerously like God's will, right? Well, this is like a, when this they is, say, you know, well, it's God's will. And people say, well, why would God let that happen? Well, because God rolled the dice 13 billion years ago, and this is the end result. Well, the corollary, you know? <laughs> the corollary is, I mean, let's put this in terms of weather for a minute, because this is one of the things that, that they, you know, is, is a really common example. If you think about weather, if they could measure the temperature of every molecule in the air and the direction of movement of all the wind and the amount of, you know, and model that somehow, like somehow they could put this all into a model instantaneously, they could predict exactly what the weather was going to do in a week because they would have okay. all the information, everything that led up to the weather a week from now, all of it's already in play. It's already out there, you know, the, the, the currents, the everything, you know, is, is there. And all we'd have to do is be able to measure accurately enough to know what's going to happen in the future. And so in theory, if you could have known all the rules, known every possible outcome, known everything about this and measured everything in the beginning, you could have predicted everything that happens now. Somehow, mathematically, this is possible. Now, obviously, there are some serious limitations there because you can only measure so many things so accurately, whatever, and right. tools. Now, this is where intuitionist math comes in. The idea was, of this guy who came up with this, was that nature only stores a certain amount of information. So in other words, a number, a rational number, can't just go on forever in terms of its precision. It has a limited precision. <laughs> okay. Imagine, my analogy is, you know, imagine your bank account. And you've got, let's say, you know, 25 cents. I'm going to bring up my calculator so I can get these numbers right. But you've got, uh, oh, God, hold on. Do some music in here. Hold on. Hold on. I've got some music. Well, I'm just getting my calculator out. Okay, we got that. Is that Rush? <clears throat> I don't know. It came with the podcaster. So... Um, okay, so let's say you've got 15 cents in your in your bank account. And, I guess it uh, falls under fair use. <laughs> yeah, well, it comes with the podcaster, so. 
and, and you're and you're getting um, you know ten percent interest a year. So so you're getting one point five cents a year on your bank account. You have fifteen cents in one 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 percent interest. Um, now over twelve months, that's going to be you know like a penny a month. Is that what that comes to? Yeah. I think it's point one yeah, yeah, five, yeah. but it's, anyway, it's, it's really small. Yeah, it's really small. So let's do this. Well, this this kind of matters because uh, that's the whole point of the. Uh, yeah, it's point zero zero one five cents a year you're getting, and basically what what would happen is since since they round off the interest in your account, you'd never actually see any interest. That number is too small. Right. right. Um. So what this what this intuitionist math says is. The numbers that nature uses are not infinitely precise. Nature only stores a certain amount of precision. Therefore, there are losses due to that precision. And those losses create a gray area and create space for random determination. Like there is no predetermination because my bank account um, at that small amount isn't isn't getting enough or, or, or more interest, more importantly, if all I knew was the amount of money I had in my bank account in the beginning and the amount of interest that I saw accruing, I couldn't back calculate because the interest is rounded off the exact interest rate. Now, as I go forward in time and I accumulate more money in my bank account, the interest rate becomes more specific. So right. once I have like $25 in my bank account, I can look at that, the amount that I get, and I know that there's a certain range in which the interest rate has to be because when they round it off to a penny, it was either, you know, 0.015 or 0.014. But there's a range because anything in that range would round off to the amount that I'm seeing. And so essentially, as you move forward, things become more specific. More and more information may get stored. But in the beginning, there was not all the data was stored for the whole future of the universe. I mean, imagine the precision you'd have to have if you had just a bunch of random molecules spinning that somehow knew, or you could look at them and determine anyway, the future 13 billion years later. Like the amount of, you'd have to have a infinite precision, right? And intuitionist yeah. math is saying nature doesn't have that level of precision. There's actually a limit to the precision in nature. You, When you're looking at that cloud, there's a certain random aspect to that cloud because it could go. Now, here's what's crazy. That may not boggle your brain too much. Like, I mean, it might be hard to, to sort of wrap your mind around. And it was for me, too. I was, like, trying to work this out when I was reading the article. Well, I mean, I'm a little bit confused. But so they're arguing with Einstein now? They're saying yeah, they're saying Einstein, Einstein was wrong. They're saying Einstein was And that we're giving, not predetermined because we round off the sense. Yeah, well, I'm about to get into this. Yeah, because, because it okay. changes a lot of stuff. It changes actual... There's a theorem in math that says it's either X or not X, right? It can't be anything but X or not X. You could have any value, but it's either going to be X or it's not going to be X. Like if it's some, if you said there's some unknown value, but it either is 0.0013 or it's not 0.0013. Well, intuitionist math says that's not true. Because it could be point zero zero one three one five seven two eight 
0.0013, and that would be 0.0013 if you rounded, but it's actually not 0.0013 at the same time. And because the the precision, right? Did yeah, I get it right. That's basically it. The precision just isn't. Uh-huh. The precision just doesn't exist. It's not that we can't measure it. It's just simply not there. So both states can exist simultaneously. It can. The interest rate on your account, you know, can be 0.11 or it could be 0.12 because we don't know. We can't tell based on the information we have available. And since it's non-determinate, it could be both or it could be either or, I mean, we just don't know, right? So anyway, it's, it, it screws with some of the basic theorems of math because these are things that they use to prove other things. Right, that, that if we know this, then we can't. And now we're saying we can't know this, and and I might be mis. You know, really, you should probably go to the Atlantic and read about you know passage of time relativity physics and see see what you think. But it's really interesting stuff because Einstein threw something out there that a lot of people have trouble swallowing, including me. He's basically saying time is written into the universe. Everything that's happened and everything that's going to happen is all pre-coded in there and therefore you know it's not that we couldn't quote unquote change it but if we do that was part of the 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 original information whatever we do was already in there we think we're changing the, the future but really all we're doing is exactly what we were expected to do and this is saying no 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 we we there's a range of things that could have happened at any point in time and therefore, from that branch, there's a there's a certain non-deterministic outcome, and uh, it's kind of upsetting people because you know a lot of these mathematicians they really rely on this like, well, you know, if you could measure it to this level of precision, you could determine this, and they're like, no, that level of precision doesn't exist. Is what they're saying, and it's and it's intuitive in a way. I mean, it is because, you know, you think, okay, let's say I. Sp- Spill some water on the counter, right? In you know, in in Einstein's theory, every molecule of that water could be predetermined as to where it went, right? Like in that right. splash. And this is saying, you know, it's kind of random, right? Like it, you couldn't really predetermine it because yes, you could measure the forces and you could understand the surface tension of water and how it moves and all this stuff and measure the the humidity in the air and the air currents at the time and all this stuff could be measured and you could in theory predict where every single drop would land. But but this is saying, not really, not really. You, you, there's just too many variables and there's too much information you'd have to have to get it exactly right. So one of those drops is going to be off by a little bit and that's going to change the course of time, the course of, the, you know, of what happens in the future. It, 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 so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just wondering what that means. Like, so let's say Einstein is wrong or whatever. What does that change? What does that do to, I mean, to everyday life, it doesn't do anything because we all, all think we're not doing predetermined things anyway. Well, we're all delusional, right. though. I mean, that's that's the problem. Is I mean, okay, okay, it doesn't really change necessarily anything about you because you don't know what the future holds. Even if it's set, you still have to do what you have to do, right? The the 
the reason it's sad is because whatever you do is based on whatever it is you were going to do. <laughs> but you have to do it because if you don't, then you fuck up the whole space time continuum. And well, you no, because if you don't do it, then that's exactly that what was, you were expected. That was what you were expected to do too. See, that's the brain fryer. Because it's not so much that the future is that you could predict the future, like that you could say, oh, I know what the future is going to have because I know what I'm going to do. No, you don't know what you can do because you don't know what else is going to affect you to make you change your mind about something or change your course of action. You didn't know that the price of oil was going to drop to negative $30 a barrel. I mean, when the fuck does that happen, right? Um, that throws a, a spanner when, into everything. When Trump is president, of course. Yeah, but but that kind of thing throws a spanner in, in the works for everything. And so so all of a sudden people are doing things nobody ever thought they would ever do. But that was all part of the future, according to Einstein. So I guess it just it's a theoretical thing, but it does change stuff because Einstein's theories are all based on all this math. You know, all these things about relativity and all that are all kind of tied together. And so it does potentially change some things that, you know, it'd be interesting if somebody came up with like the infinite improbability drive, you know, uh, is that, that's it, a reference to something I'm not getting. Yeah. Is Douglas it? Adams and the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. That's a, Oh yeah. 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 The infinite improbability drive was discovered by a janitor because it's infinitely improbable that the janitor, you know, after these scientists, these highly educated PhDs and working on it for years, couldn't figure it out. The janitor was cleaning up and he did something that that resulted in the discovery of the infinite improbability drive because it was infinitely improbable that that would happen. Um, <laughs> but in any case, the infinite improbability drive passes through all points in the universe simultaneously. And so you can move from one place in the universe to another place in the universe without you know being constrained by time and all that other stuff. Um, and of course the reason that that works is because it's infinitely improbable. <laughs> okay. But that's a Douglas Adams thing. And if you like that sort of humor, you really should, even though he's dead, may he rest in peace. Um, you should read his books cause he's hilarious. But anyway, that I guess the only reason I bring it up is because we just, you know, serious mathematicians, serious people discount ideas like that because they're like, that's insane. Like, how could that possibly work? Well, it works because it can't work, right? Um, so, yeah, but just to be clear, though, what you're saying that they're saying is insane is the idea that we're not predetermined. Like Einstein said, <sighs> right? Yeah, am, yeah, yeah. Am it I is. phrasing that correctly? Okay, um, so. Well, because of the X versus not X thing, it, it throws off lots of... Um, you know, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like what, when the scientists go like, Oh my goodness, this changes everything. What does that mean? Does that mean that like all the science that we've, you know, had so far is all up in question. Like maybe global warming isn't real or, you know, we didn't really cure polio or what does it, you know, rockets won't go to the moon what, what is what well let's i mean what happens <laughs> let's just bring this into how einstein explained everything einstein explained everything as a four-dimensional universe you have the three dimensions you're we're familiar with and the fourth dimension was time okay. and and essentially a lot of his theories are based on 
the math involved with this four-dimensional universe. And if you change one of the dimensions and how it works, it changes a lot of the math. Now, I'm not, you know, a guy who's going to sit here and say, oh, well, I've rewritten Einstein's equations and said, well, this is how it's going to change. So I really can't say. But let's just put it in in the, in the sense that, okay, right now we have two sort of universes um, in science. We have the universe that we can observe and the way it behaves, and we have the quantum universe and the way it behaves. Because at the quantum level, all the rules are different. Certain particles can be in more than one place at one time until they're observed. Things move in weird ways. There's the, um, the what do they call it, the entanglement Mm -hmm. Uh, quantum entanglement quantum entanglement that they can't explain well all these things may start to tie the two universes together because a lot of the things we have worked out your einstein worked out made the universe that we see very predictable and what what this intuitive intuitive what the fuck um intuitionist math (laughs) says is that maybe the real universe is more like the quantum universe Maybe there's two possibilities at the same time. Maybe X doesn't have to be X or not X. Maybe it could be unknown or or could be both or it you know N- like, NA. <laughs> so in other words, X could have two states simultaneously until we determine, you know, until we observe it or determine the state. And and that's kind of the quantum quandary, right? So so what they're basically saying is this is kind of bringing the rest of the universe in line with the quantum universe, and it may change a lot of things in the way we do it. And, and again, it's this is all theoretical math. This is all stuff that that eventually may result in discoveries that we never thought of. However, if we think of things in Einstein's model of a four-dimensional universe that's highly predetermined, then maybe we're missing the point. You know, maybe we're missing something like the infinite improbability drive that we'll never discover because we think that these numbers have infinite precision and that all these things are deterministic when they're not. So, I mean, it's hard to explain and it's hard to wrap your head around, but it's fundamentally kind of crazy. And, of course, scientists right now are, you know, there's all this, you know... (laughs) They use words like extremely interesting, shocking, and provocative in its implications. You know, all this stuff like, like, oh, well, what if they're right? Because um, nobody's probably taking this too god-awful serious at the moment. But they did say that there's a possibility it could explain some of the things about black holes. Because that's one of the things that Einstein's theory can't explain. And this is, I see it in the, in the science news all the time about how, oh, God, there's yet another example of where Einstein's theory can't quite explain something, and we, you know, we it's all theoretical, and nobody's really nailed it down yet. So that guy, we put so much pressure on that dude. I know. Right? I feel bad for Einstein, but at the same time, we can't live in this four-dimensional box. I mean, we're it's not it's not it's too limiting. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's it's got us blocked in. It's like this whole self-quarantining crap. You know. <laughs> Um, now, I do want to mention one thing. We're totally out of time, but I want to mention one thing about math that's really cool. See, we can only imagine three dimensions. I mean, you can kind of grasp the idea of three dimensions traveling through time, and that becomes a fourth dimension. But when you start adding a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, 
it starts getting really weird. But in math, you can put as many dimensions as you want into, into your box. And so you can do some really cool stuff. Like one of the things with AI that I'm studying is uh, building a 64-dimensional matrix, which is just, to me, mm. you know, visually is inconceivable. <laughs> but when you start using that 64-dimension matrix to do certain types of correlation, it's amazing how it works. Like, it's just really cool. And that'll be a discussion for another day because I'm still still sort of parsing all that out and I don't even know how to explain some of the shit, but it's some cool stuff. And anyway, we have to we have to quit. And I, this is this has been the science episode. Well, yeah, on. okay, hold on. I'm not going to hold long, but go ahead. Well, this this has been one of many science episodes, but... Oh, yeah, it's true. I, I just have, get ready to hit the, the music button. Yeah, I have. I, yeah, I have one final thought, right, about the whole Einstein thing. And that is, if it turns out that Einstein's theory was wrong and they disprove him or whatever, that will only happen because it was predetermined to happen. <laughs> Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse.